Welcome, gorgeous listeners. I am Chris Abalo, and this is Chris Abalo's Podcast Experiment, episode number nine. Yeah, I am kind of buttering you up at the beginning of this because here's no surprise whatsoever. This show is going to talk a little bit about Comic-Con, just like every other show and every other corner of the internet is doing right now because Comic-Con was this past weekend. And I will be talking about some stuff related to Comic-Con in a minute. First, I'm going to talk about some different stuff. Um, After the plugging, as always, check out Chris Abalo's podcast experiment on iTunes. Give the show five stars and write a little review. Follow the show on Twitter at CapePod. Like the show on Facebook. Find it on Facebook. Give it the thumbs up. Always check out ChrisAbalo.com. There are a bunch of blog posts that I've written on there, so check some of that stuff out. It's different than what I talk about in the show, so don't think I'm making you read the same or listen to the same, absorb the same information twice. There's different stuff on there, so please check out ChrisAbalo.com, C-H-R-I-S-A-B-A-L-L-O.com, and get some more of me in your face or in your ears or whatever. And as always, check out the only podcast that matters, the hilarious show which I do with my friends in New Jersey. I am on the show pretty much every other week, sometimes two weeks on, two weeks off, depending on how the shows lay out, but it's hysterical. Bunch of friends sitting around talking to each other about what's going on in life and what's going on in our worlds and the world around us. Always a good time. So check that out as well and all the usual places. TheOnlyPodcast.com being one of them, another one being iTunes, another one being Stitcher Radio, another one being Beyond Pod, depending on what kind of smartphone you have or apps you have on your tablet, perhaps, perhaps you have those apps, then check out the show on all those different formats and at the home at TheOnlyPodcast.com where you'll find all the appropriate social media links and whatnot. All right, a few things before I talk about the big stuff at Comic-Con. Let me just address a few items first. Uh, One of them being Lemmy. Yeah, that's right. Lemmy from Motorhead. Uh, He had taken ill at the end of last month, not so long ago. And you know what? He, according to, by his own admission, wasn't following doctor's orders and wasn't resting and kind of uh, resumed life as usual. Please, Lemmy, I beseech thee, take some time off, get some rest. We will still go see Motorhead. We will still buy the the new album when it comes out in the fall. But Lemmy is too important to rock music for him to suffer from health issues. Take a little bit of time. Take a couple of weeks. Get better. Do what you have to do so you can get back out on the road and show everyone how it's done. That's all I have to say. I'm going to keep it short and sweet on, on that note. But please, Lemmy, take, take it easy. We need you around. Also, I went and saw The Heat again, and uh, it's still great. Actually went and saw that and Monsters University as a little Saturday double feature with my sister. We went and saw both movies because we wanted to see them both and figured, hey, when the heat comes out, we'll just go see both movies in one shot. I did like Monsters University not as much as the original one. And not that there's anything wrong with it. It's still totally entertaining and charming and all the things you've come to expect from Pixar. But it seemed like more of a story than it was just a, a laugh. Ride. I thought the first one was hysterical. This one had more of a... It seemed a little bit more aimed at kids. I'm not putting it down at all, but it seemed like more of a story for kids to take something away from and for adults to just enjoy as a fun hour and 45 minutes, two hours, however long it was, of entertainment. Uh, Totally enjoyable, but I do like the first one a bit more. And uh, I mean, hey, prequels are usually hit or miss anyway. I'm glad that 
this movie happened. I think a sequel would have been a little bit more interesting to see what happened after they learned, oh, laughter is more powerful than screams. I think that would have been an interesting direction to go in. And the prequel thing was, ah, okay. All right, considering we these two characters have been friends forever, it'll be fun to explore. But I did enjoy Monsters University. I do find it funny, though, how if you mention something to people, or like I spoke to people after I saw the movie and said, oh, man, Monsters University, I liked it, but not as much as the first one. And some people said to me, oh, I never got around to seeing the first one. In 12 years, you didn't get around to it or you don't want to see it. I mean, if, if you're going to go see the new one, okay, but I would suggest going to see Monsters Incorporated first or renting it or buying it, whatever. Hell, just buy it. It's a Pixar movie. They're all quality. While some are certainly better than others, they're still keepers in my book. Maybe it's me being nitpicky about a phrase. In fact, it probably is. But it just kind of makes me laugh how people say, oh, I just never got around to it. Okay, something else I find funny. I got an email earlier this week. This may surprise you. I subscribe to the Billboard magazine emails. They have a daily email that they send out. And just because I'm a fan of music, I do like to know what's going on. Even though I listen to almost no pop music, I still like to at least be kept aware of what's going on. Because, as I've always said, if I am going to criticize something, I do want to be informed about it. So it comes in handy at times. But the main article at the top of this email where they list off all the all the hot stories was because uh, Selena Gomez has a new CD coming out and this said Selena Gomez's back catalog her top 10 pre stars dance highlights stars dance is apparently the name of her new album it says below that before you get too deep into her new album take a minute to learn up on the songs you might not already be so familiar with with her first half decade of music First half decade, say five years. In fact, it's not even five years. I did some poking around because I thought, wait, Selena, go- she hasn't put out albums for that long. Has she? And uh, no, she's put out three albums since 2009. This is going to be her fourth. And uh, so she's got like 30-ish songs. They're already picking 10 of them? 10 that are worth like, oh, you should check out these 10 songs. What, really? Really? She just started, and then she's another one whose albums are just kind of cranked out an album every year, it seems. Started in 2009, okay, almost every year, maybe every uh, 18 months. But she's just another pop singer. People know her from being on the Disney Channel, but I don't know if that really means anything <laughs> anymore. Unless it means disaster. That seems to be the way all these things are going. I shouldn't say that. Miley Cyrus, aside from looking a little odd, has, doesn't seem to be engaged in, in as much outlandish behavior as... Some others. And Hillary Duff kind of turned out okay after all. So I guess not all Disney stars fall under that blanket. But uh, anyway, I did think that was funny, though. Come on, she's put out like 30 songs. Here's 10 you have to know before checking out her new album. I think anyone who checks out Selena Gomez's new album is probably at least aware, maybe even has one of her other albums. But she has like, come on, 30-something songs. All these pop stars who, I, I can't tell the music apart. I can't tell her voice from the the female singers on the majority of pop tunes. So... Maybe I'm out of it. Maybe I'm too much of a, of a grumpy old man. But that headline made me laugh in as much as her first half decade. Just the wording and everything and the fact that obviously they need stories to put into the emails and they need to publish stories probably on a, an hourly basis on the website. So they need to find something to write about. So I guess it's uh, Selena Gomez has a new album coming out, right? Something about that. So, uh, okay. And someone actually needs to go and pick out a bunch of songs, probably just singles, I would think. What's that be? That would be maybe um, three singles, an album. So, yeah, just pick those, <laughs> the three singles from the three albums, and then pick one more track. And, uh, yeah, put that in an article and send it out. I get that nothing needs to be turned into something on a lot of these websites, especially ones that are reporting news. 
I mean, this is at least music news, so it revolves around something, you would think. But everything about that alert just made me laugh. So, at the end of June, thanks to Facebook and uh, following the band BDI on Facebook, in case you don't know, BDI is made up of the remains of Oasis minus Noel Gallagher. Anyway, the band posted a link to a video, which was a documentary that was done about the band, called BDI Start Anew. But it was a cool documentary about everything leading up to the release of their new album, B, which is clever, because B, B-E, those are the initials of the band, spells B. Pretty cool. But the documentary, honestly, it really, I enjoyed it, number one, because I do like the band. I think Liam Gallagher's funny. I thought the last couple albums that Oasis made were great, especially the last two. So I do like the output that's come as a result of there now being two camps. Noel Gallagher's solo album was great. I really love the first BDI album. And this new one, which I'll get to in a second, was, uh, well, let me talk about the documentary first. In a nutshell, it reminded me of all the reasons why I wanted to be in a band in, a first pl- in the first place when I was 16, 17. Because there's a bunch of guys getting in a room, playing music, recording stuff in the studio piling into a van to go play a small gig in a club for some fans or to go sign CDs at a record store and promote their new CD and all that good stuff. And it just reminds me of all the things I daydreamed about when I was a kid and I thought about being in a band and playing guitar and just having that whole, the whole experience. Everything that they're doing, it, those are all the things I pictured myself doing and that I wanted to do as a musician. So it was really cool to look at and think, man. And it's interesting too because... In many ways, the band kind of started over following Oasis because there's no way they were going to be as popular as Oasis was at their peak or at the end because Oasis is a band that was bigger than the sum of its parts. Clearly, although Noel Gallagher's solo album and solo tours have done well, they've done better than BDI, actually, by the numbers, anyway. But, man, the documentary is really, really cool. I suggest checking it out. It's on YouTube. It's about a half hour, maybe a little less. But a really, really cool look into these guys preparing for the release of their new album and interacting with fans and just all the cool stuff that, like I said, I thought about doing and that I thought would be cool to do when it comes to being in a band. So I really, really dug it. Check that out. My only issue with the new BDI album is it has yet to receive a release date for America. There has been no release. As of now, I can't see anything. You can buy the CD on Amazon as an import from the UK, it's about 20 bucks, and yes, I will buy it that way, but I'm just surprised. I mean, it's not available digitally either, at least not as of now, not as of this recording. You can't buy it from iTunes or Amazon or the Google Play Store or whatever, so I can't even... I can buy the album, as I said, as an import, but the fact there's no US release, I was really surprised by that because I, I do like the album. I will say that. There are a few people who are good enough to upload the album in its entirety, onto YouTube, so I was able to listen to it, which I would have just bought it anyway without having listened to it because I like going out and buying CDs, and I wish that stuff came out here, at least in close proximity to when it comes out in America. Actually, another one of my recent favorite artists, KT Tunstall, her new album came out, I think, in May in the UK, and it's not coming out in the US until next month or something, so... I wish there wasn't such a a gap in between because in the age of the internet, 
obviously people can get a hold of it. So I think if the CD is getting released internationally, but again, I don't know everything that goes into it. So when it comes to releasing an album, I can't even venture to guess what it would be like and, and everything that's involved when it comes to releasing your album. But I do think if people can get a hold of it, like people can do with listening to the BDI album on, on YouTube, I don't know if it's still up there or not. Uh, they're, they're on, I believe, Sony or Columbia in the UK, so someone might be keeping an eye out and, and pulling some stuff down or having uh, users pull down the copyrighted material. And uh, the fact that I listened to it on YouTube, it's, it's one of those things that, that made me think. Because a few weeks back when I talked about the new Jimmy World album that came out uh, in, yeah, it was last month, right? Yeah, it was in June. iTunes had a preview of it when it uh, was, I think it was a week leading up to its release. You could stream, stream the album in full. And they actually recently did that with the new Sarah Bareilles CD as well. Between that and a lot of albums which you can find in their entirety uploaded onto YouTube with links to specific tracks if you want to skip around. I really don't buy, I never have, but now more than ever, I don't buy the excuse that pirates use when it comes to, oh, well, I like to try before I buy, and that's why I use torrents or whatever. No, it's not. You're doing it because you want the convenience of having the album, and you're going to be severely less motivated to buy the album, even if you do like it, because you already have it on your iPod, so what's the friggin' difference? But when you can listen to an album in its entirety through an authorized way, like let's say iTunes through the streaming of iTunes, which doesn't happen with every album. Uh, There were those two I mentioned, plus Daft Punk did it before the release of their new album. You can do that or people will, fans will upload songs onto YouTube or make a fan-made video or slideshow video or something like that. You can check out enough to know whether or not you want to buy the album. So I still don't buy the excuse that People need to download torrents as a sense of, well, I want to try before I buy. Give me a break. I do think, though, and I'm sure this is something I'm going to end up writing about soon on the website because it's something that's kind of... It doesn't bother me lately. It's just something I've been thinking about. But I don't think fans... can, And maybe it was in light of Comic-Con, too. I don't think fans understand enough how much of a role they play when it comes to what happens with entertainment. If you buy a ticket to a movie... You're helping that movie. If you want to see more movies like Pacific Rim, you will buy a ticket to go see Pacific Rim. Uh, I mean, judging by the box office uh, results of of that movie, it seems not enough people did. But anyway, uh, I I think people just kind of look at it more in a passive way. Like, no, it doesn't matter. It does, though. Now more than ever, a, a debut album from a band or an artist is make or break, especially if they have a major label deal. It comes down to... Whether or not they're going to, if the first album sells and does well, then they get to stay and make more albums. As soon as an album doesn't sell, whether it's their first one or maybe even their third one, on major labels, a lot of these artists get dropped. So as much as people can make the argument that, oh, the reason I download CDs, and I've talked about this before on the only podcast that matters a couple of times, I believe. When I hear the argument of, oh, I download albums because the artist doesn't get paid enough money anyway, it's like, all right, so you think you're bucking the system? and cheating a record company out of money, you're still cheating the artist because they're still not going to get their percentage of royalties and their album sales are going to be lower and they may get dropped from their record contract as a result of it. So yeah, it does matter. And if 10,000 people download it, well, if 10,000 people, 10,000 more copies of a CD or a digital download were sold, that's a big difference. So I don't know if people take their role in all of this as seriously if you like a show watch the show if you want to see a movie go see a movie you want to see more x-men movies then go see the wolverine movie that's that's coming out or or whatever like whatever it may be go out and support it 
I mean, I always laugh, and, and here we, I'm leading up to the Comic-Con thing, of course, especially by bringing up something as geek-oriented as this. But I always laugh when people say, like, oh, Firefly, it was, it was 12 or 13 episodes of, of greatness and then years of, of suffering or being miserable and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, they made a movie out of Firefly. It was called Serenity. And you know what? Didn't make enough money. So that's why they're not making any more. So as much as people are clamoring, and there have been online petitions and all that, um, apparently there was one about the Judge Dredd movie too because a lot of people liked the recent one where Carl Urban was Judge Dredd and there was an online petition about making another Firefly movie. All these petitions don't mean anything. If you don't go see the movie or if you don't buy the album or if you don't watch the TV show, in a case like Futurama, which I talked about a few weeks ago, that's the same story. The viewership numbers have gone down and Comedy Central isn't willing to extend the show anymore. And I realize I'm part of the problem because I don't subscribe to Comedy Central so I can't watch it during broadcast, uh, you know, on, on Wednesdays, I believe, when it's on. And unfortunately, the next step up for a cable package is, as much as I want Futurama to stay on the air, it's also a measure of, well, am I going to pay this much more a month because a big chunk in between the basic package I have now and the next level up because you're talking about adding 500 channels or something. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, then in a case like that, I'm part of the problem because I'm not tuning in to see the show when it's being broadcast. But I really think people need to take more ownership of their role when it comes to the arts. If you want to see more of something, go support it. If you're tired of seeing <laughs> Adam Sandler movies make a ton of money, then go see something that isn't an Adam Sandler movie. Or uh, if you want to see, I'm trying to think of something else that's coming out in uh, the next couple of weeks. Uh, Everybody loves Shaun the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Okay, great. If you want Simon Pegg to make a, a splash in the U.S. more than he's done with things like Star Trek, or see more stuff from Nick Frost or Edgar Wright, or see the three of them work together, go see The World's End when it comes out next month. You have to go out and you have to support things. And yes, even whether we're talking about mainstream stuff or independent releases, how you spend your money does matter. You vote with your dollars. So I say go support what you do like. And yeah, and, and stop with the downloading and the uh, the self-righteousness of just like, well, as these actors make so much money and blah, 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 and all that. It's, it's not just about that. There are a lot more spokes in the wheel than just the person who's, who's the face of a project, let's say. So anyway, uh, all this is leading up to Comic-Con, which I'm not going to go over in detail, but let me say this, and people are free to argue with it, but this is my show, it's my opinion, so there. Despite the panels they had for... X-Men, I believe they had the Days of Future Past cast was all there, which is a huge cast. Disney's Marvel had panels for Captain America and Thor and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. All the big releases that are coming up for a while, uh, including the announcement of the uh, Avengers sequel and the title, which people can infer from the title. I can't because I don't know anything about the comics. But uh, people can infer what the, the Avengers sequel is going to revolve around, more or less. Uh, based on the source material. But despite all that stuff, Warner Brothers stole the weekend by announcing a Superman-Batman movie. I think it's hard to argue with that because there was no bigger announcement this weekend. And I didn't go. I'm not all that far from San Diego, but I wouldn't dare go down there necessarily for Comic-Con. But this is a really big deal in as much as there has been so much doubt between the the lousy Green Lantern movie, which I didn't go see, just because I wasn't interested in it and it didn't it didn't intrigue me enough as somebody who knows nothing about it and look i have nothing against comic books i don't (laughs) i never have a a horse in the race when it comes to dc or marvel because i don't read comic books so i'm just a theatrical viewer 
or um, let's say maybe a television viewer because I'm, I am intrigued by uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the show that's coming to uh, ABC in the fall, with Agent Coulson. Woo! He's not dead. But I am, uh, I, I'm just in it for the movies, and I don't read the books. And I have nothing against comic books, and I don't favor Marvel over DC or anything like that. As I said, I'm not a fan of more of one than the other. Um, and that's basically because it's the same reason I don't play video games. They're just too good, and I would get too obsessive with it. Because considering how obsessive I am when it comes to finding and buying new music, and I'm pretty much the same way when it comes to movies, if I was the same way when it came to devoting time to video games and buying and reading comic books, I'd be hopeless. I'd never leave my apartment except to go buy stuff. (laughs) And that would be it. I would be considerably broke and I would just have no social life whatsoever. Or maybe I'd just be doing a a geek-oriented fanboy kind of podcast here instead of talking about whatever it is that's catching my interest at the time. So nothing against comic books. I really like the DC animated movies. Overall, I'm not a fan of Superman. So I, those I just can't really get into. I did see Superman versus the Elite and it was okay, the DC animated movie. But the the Justice League and Batman movies overall... Really, really good. The Marvel animated movies I thought were boring. <laughs> the uh, the Hulk ones that they did, they did an Iron Man one. They did an Avengers one. I started watching the first one, and I just couldn't get into it. So I uh, just mm, never finished it. So I do give the edge to DC when it comes to the animated movies. Oh, and the Dark Knight Returns movies were really, really good. The two-part animated Dark Knight Returns movie. Really, really great. I do recommend people check that out. I'm sure a lot of people have seen it, but... Some of those end up on Netflix. If you don't have Netflix, it may be coming there soon, but uh, perhaps you can red box it. Anyway, the theatrical future of Warner Brothers and DC, specifically the Justice League properties, has been in question for a long time between the Green Lantern movie and not knowing what direction they were going to go in following the completion of Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, which obviously ended last summer. And they've been trying to make a Wonder Woman movie apparently for a while, or they've been considering a Flash movie, and it doesn't look like if they make another Green Lantern movie, they probably aren't going to do it with Ryan Reynolds. I mean, this is all speculation. Nothing's official yet. Just from what I've read and what I've heard and anything else, I try to stick with reliable sources and go by official announcements just because there's so much speculation on the internet. I mean, there's still people who swear that especially with the announcement of this Superman Batman movie, that oh Christian Bale's going to come back and Christopher Nolan's going to have a hand in it and all that stuff. No, it, it's over, man. <laughs> Just they're done with it already. That was a self-contained universe, and they both said they're done with it. Even if you loaded up a Brinks truck with cash and dumped it on Christian Bale's front lawn, he would probably still say no. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I doubt it. I, I doubt he would come back to it. But I guess we'll see. But anyway, this announcement of the Superman-Batman crossover movie as being the sequel to Man of Steel has been huge and has launched tons of speculation about what's going to happen now. Here's my perspective. As I said, a fan of movies, not a fan of comic books, uh, and I don't like Superman and all that. I I do overall really like the Batman movies. Christopher Nolan's, obviously, his Batman movies were exceptional. Although I do regard The Dark Knight Rises as being Christopher Nolan's weakest film. Among all of them. I still love it, but I do love all his movies. And I think that is weaker than the rest of his films. So there we go. Hold that against me if you will. But it's going to be tough. First of all, 2015 is packed anyway with there being a new Star Wars movie and the Avengers sequel. And now the Superman Batman movie. 
And certainly there's going to be a lot to live up to with all of those, all three of those. That's the problem. No matter what, people are going to be outraged because they're not going to be happy with the new Star Wars movies. They're not going to be happy with the Avengers sequel. It's not as good as the first one, and they're not going to be happy with the with seeing a new Batman and all that. But I think the big challenge is going to be introducing a new Batman a mere three years after the last Batman story ended. And unfortunately, when it comes to playing Batman, it's the same problem as hosting the Oscars. Nobody ever likes who is chosen to do it at the time. And not until after it happens are people okay with it because Michael Keaton was cast as Batman in Tim Burton's first Batman movie. There's a lot of backlash about, oh, my God, Mr. Mom and the funny guy from Night Shift and all. He's going to be Batman and I, he's not Batman and blah, blah, blah. Same thing when Daniel Craig was cast as James Bond. Same thing when Hugh Jackman was cast as Wolverine. What, a song and dance man from Australia is going to be Wolverine? No way. He's not Logan. I think there was even a bit of backlash when it came to Christian Bale being Batman before everyone saw Batman Begins and saw what an awesome movie it was. So fans are never happy, and there is always backlash, and you're never going to absolutely please everybody. You just need to please the average moviegoer. So I think that there's a a tough road ahead when it comes to who's going to be Batman. I'm sure Warner Brothers already has an idea of who they're going to cast. They must already have a script at this point because they're going to have to film this movie next year. If it's going to be ready for summer of 2015, I'm sure it's going to be fairly effects-heavy. Granted, they do have a little less than two years at this point, but I'm sure they already have a script and they know where they're going with it, and I'm sure they have ideas for who they want as Batman. Now, as an amateur, when it comes to comic books, and maybe even comic book movies, let's say, but as somebody from the outside, I'm sure it's not going to happen. I'd be very surprised if it did happen, Uh, and I don't expect anyone of influence is necessarily listening to my show to see who my choice for the new Batman or Bruce Wayne would be. But my choice, which you're welcome to disagree with, for the new Batman slash Bruce Wayne, John Hamm. And the reason I'm saying that is because, number one, and this was a big problem some people had when it came to casting Christian Bale, he has the stature for it. He's, I believe, 6'2". He has a good, let's say, mass to him. I'm sure he can get in, in great shape and be muscular. Well, Even if he wasn't, though, actually, the Batman suit is chiseled. And it's made to look like he has six-pack abs and these large pecs and all that. So he doesn't really need to be the epitome of like the perfect man when it comes to being in, in a certain uh, physical shape. But we know the guy can act. As Bruce Wayne, totally believable because there's a straight line in between Don Draper and Bruce Wayne when it comes to appearance. So he can pull off the Bruce Wayne thing, no problem. The guy can act. If you've seen Mad Men, he, he's certainly funny. Not to say this would be this crossover movie is going to be too heavy on comedy. But I don't watch Saturday Night Live regularly, but I did watch the two episodes he hosted because he's a funny guy, and I I like him. And he can certainly pull off any comedic elements, and certainly his very, very funny turn in uh, Bridesmaids, was uh, he was awesome in that, even though he played such a a douche. (laughs) He was still great in the movie. So as an actor, I absolutely believe he can do it. As Bruce Wayne, I think he fits the part no problem. And uh, even as far as Batman goes, I could see him doing that and doing something that's kind of a a darker, brooding character. I'm sure that's within his wheelhouse. So I say John Hamm. I don't expect it's going to happen, and I don't even know if they're looking for a more mature Bruce Wayne. But just hearing the the people they're talking about, I've heard rumors about, you know, oh, Ryan Gosling or... Um, what's his, uh, the Lone Ranger, Army Hammer. And in my mind, I just think those guys are too young. Army Hammer's in his 20s. 
I always feel like when you see Bruce Wayne, I mean, as he's been depicted theatrically, and I don't know during what era Superman and Batman cross over, uh, except for in the Dark Knight Returns animated movies. And even that uh, is an older Bruce Wayne. He's, I think, in his 50s or something like that. And he then comes back as Batman. But I don't know what kind of, what age of Batman they're looking for, but Ryan Gosling's my age. I think he, I would take him as being too young to be Batman as well, or as Bruce Wayne. It's just, I don't know. I just don't think it's convincing enough. I think if you want somebody who's an adult, who you believe is a man who's been doing this for a while, and somebody who can pull off both sides of the role in and out of the costume, I say John Hamm. I doubt it'll happen. I doubt uh, anybody of influence is listening. And as I said, I'm sure they already have people in mind or have it narrowed down to say three. Because when it comes to these franchises, it seems everybody needs to be locked in for X amount of time. I think it's incredible how, uh, just because the Guardians of the Galaxy thing was this past weekend, uh, was one of the panels. I think it's amazing how Zoe Saldana is somehow able to do Guardians of the Galaxy and whatever commitments come with being in Marvel. She still has another Star Trek movie coming up, and there's at least two more Avatar movies. I assume she's going to be returning for those. I don't know how the hell this woman's going to have any kind of time off or how she can even... I'm surprised no one sees it like, wait a minute, she's already in three, this would put her in three different franchises. Isn't this going to be a, a balancing act? Certainly availability comes into play when they're casting these stars for these roles. But man, I do think no matter who Batman's going to be, it's going to be tough. Uh, people seem to be excited about it so far after this first uh, burst of information and this announcement this past weekend. It's a huge announcement. But it's going to be tough to introduce a new Batman just three years after a Batman and a Batman universe that is so beloved and was done so incredibly well from a film viewer's standpoint because the public certainly embraced Batman. Oh, and then that's another one. Everybody got all up in arms there. Heath Ledger was going to be the Joker, and look how that turned out. So people always overreact after they hear somebody being announced. But you know what? Let the performance speak for itself. I'm willing to see it. And look, I don't like Superman, as I've said. I don't like Superman, and I don't like Thor. I just think they're boring characters because Superman you can't kill except with kryptonite. Although I am intrigued by this movie because Batman, from what I do know, Batman's the only one who has ever beaten Superman, whether it's through trickery or devices or I'm sure he probably uses kryptonite in some fashion, but that does intrigue me to see uh, Superman get beaten. I just think it's boring because Superman can lift anything. He can fly. He can shoot lasers from his eyes. He can't be killed except by one element. So that, to me, seems boring. Thor's a demigod who swings a hammer and can fly. And same thing. I just think he's boring. And that's why I didn't like the Thor movie and only went back and saw it after I saw the Avengers. Although I have to say, the second Thor does look kind of cool. It looks like there's a bit more action in it. At least so far, there's only the the one trailer, I believe. Uh, And I thought the love story was pretty hokey. In the first one, I'll come back for you. I just met you, but it's love at first sight, and uh, I'm going to keep coming back to Earth because I've fallen in love with you, Natalie Portman. I don't remember the character's name. I only saw the movie once, but that that does look pretty cool. I'm going to go see it anyway. I'm going to go see the Thor movie and all the subsequent movies, even though I know nothing about the Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm sure we will because that movie is leading in the next Avengers, but I'm going to go see all of these movies because I am really interested. And uh, considering the amount of movies that are coming out, comic book movies and all that, because... 2015, as I said, is a stacked summer, and everybody knows about it, and that's there's a lot of anticipation for that summer being the biggest summer between those big three movies, a Superman-Batman movie, Star Wars Episode Seven, and the Avengers sequel. But next year, there will be X-Men Days of Future Past, which unites the cast of the 
first three X-Men movies, essentially. You know who I'm talking about. Hugh Jackman, Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, all those people. And uh, the cast of X-Men First Class, which was great, with James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, all those other people. But before that, there's going to be a new Fantastic Four movie. Fantastic Four is being rebooted and directed by the guy who directed Chronicle. So there are still two comic book movies coming out next year, and then there are two big, more so, event movies and coming out in 2015. And everybody's saying, well, superhero movies aren't going away, superhero movies aren't going anywhere. No, they're not, but for the last, I'm going to say, 11 years, I'm going to put it back to the first Spider-Man because I think that was really when a superhero movie was... That was like a big event because visually they are finally able to represent Spider-Man because CGI had gotten to a certain place where you could have him swing around and see his reflection. All, all, the, all the elements that they needed to put Spider-Man on the big screen were finally there. So they were able to make a, a really good movie. Although The Amazing Spider-Man was way better than any of the first three Sam Raimi Spider-Mans. But anyway, uh, again, my opinion, my show. Take it or leave it. But these superhero movies have always been event movies, and it was maybe one a year, maybe one every other year. But now, since we're getting into multiple movies a year, I just don't think there's going to be enough momentum behind any particular franchise or any particular story. I mean, the first movie of any new franchise doesn't necessarily catch too much fire, so Fantastic Four isn't going to do the kind of business that X-Men's going to do next year. Or Man of Steel didn't do as much business as they thought, uh, or uh, let's say uh, as Avengers might have done, or any of the solo Marvel movies, because there was always something throwing forward to it. Oh, I mean, Thor and Captain America did, uh, actually, I think Man of Steel did, did better than, than those two did individually. Still, right out of the gate, very few movies are huge hits. Even Batman Begins, I think. I mean, it wasn't nearly the, the hit that The Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises were, certainly. But I just feel with there being so many comic book franchises going on with... Two of them at Fox with X-Men and Fantastic Four, which I'm sure they're going to cross over at some point. Yeah, there's a Spider-Man movie coming out. Oh, yeah, and another, that's right, three movies. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is going to come out next summer, and then every two years, in 2016, 2018, there will also be Amazing Spider-Man sequels. With those on top of Avengers and their solo movies, let's say, I don't know if they're going to do any more Wolverine movies, but I'm sure the X-Men universe will continue... Marvel may be relaunching Ghost Rider and Daredevil. I don't know where they sit as far as uh, whether their priority is to reboot those characters or not. But with all these different comic book characters, I just don't think it's going to be as much of an event as it was. I'm not saying they're going away. I'm just saying right now this is the current wave. It could last another 10 years as long as people are interested in seeing these franchises. But, uh, I mean, granted, uh, the new Wolverine movie hasn't come out yet, so we'll see how well that does. Regardless, I still think X-Men Days of Future Past is going to be huge because you have all the characters people love from those first three X-Men movies mixed in with the cast from First Class, which I think has probably only done better. As uh, Even though it didn't do huge business in the box office, everyone I know who saw it on DVD, myself included, loved it. So I think it's going to do really, really well because... Kind of like how Avengers united a whole group of characters, even though the X-Men movies have always had a an ensemble. I think this is going to be even bigger because now you're lining up two different groups of X-Men characters and, and putting them together. So that is pretty cool. But I don't know. We'll see. I don't think the comic movies are going anywhere for a while, but I do think some of the the luster is going to come out of them. And same thing with Star Wars, because apparently there's going to be episodes 7, 8, and 9 
are going to be 2015, 17, and 19, and then they're going to be Star Wars, like, character-specific movies in between. I I feel like there's going to be a point where Star Wars is going to be an event either. It's just going to be another year, another Star Wars movie, another year, another Marvel movie. I just, I don't know. I could be completely wrong. It's just something that's crossed my mind. I'm not saying I hope it happens. I don't hope it happens because, honestly, these movies are cool and they're fun to go see in the theater and they're fun to go see with a group of friends. And, hey, a lot of times they're fun to watch at home, too, for the second and third time. But I just wonder if there's going to be a point where sooner rather than later where people are going to get tired of seeing these types of movies. But anyway, all right, that's enough kind of geekish Comic-Con talk. I'm not going to talk about necessarily everything that goes into it because I don't know a whole lot about other movies which were profiled or had panels at comic-con because such a huge event i think it's pretty impossible to keep track of it all but there was an interview done with well i'm sure there were a few with uh sandra bullock because she was there for gravity and since i'm such a fan of the heat and loved it and saw it in the theater a bunch of times and all that other stuff you've heard me go on about it for several episodes now but since it was a bona fide hit at the theater naturally she's being asked about a sequel and fox already hired Katie Dippel, the writer of the first one, to start writing a sequel. But understandably so, (laughs) Sandra said that she would only do a sequel if it was really good, uh, in part because her track record with sequels is less than great, with Miss Congeniality 2 and Speed 2 being disappointments at the box office and with uh, audiences. And I did see both those movies in the theater, and I have to say I wasn't crazy about them. Although I didn't want to see Speed 2. I wanted to go see The Fifth Element, but the majority of the group wanted to go see Speed 2, so that's how it ended up. Although I don't think I could pick the worst movie out of those two. Between Speed 2 and Fifth Element, I don't know if I could pick which one was worse. What? You don't like Fifth Element? And two words, Chris Tucker. But with a movie like The Heat, as much as I can see it turn into a franchise and... I could see a sequel happening, especially given how the movie ends and the fact that you have a federal agent and a cop in Boston. They can easily go around fighting crime and just being badass and hysterical for several movies. But ultimately, she said, if the script is good enough, then they'll do it. So we'll see what happens. If there isn't a sequel, I won't be upset. I understand staying one for one when it comes to your movies. As time has gone on, it seems less and less likely there will be a Bridesmaid sequel, and I'm fine with that because the first movie was great, and if they want to leave well enough alone, then they can absolutely do that. Could they continue and have Melissa McCarthy's character from Bridesmaids be the next bride and have some more, will more wackiness ensue? It's possible, but if they don't make a sequel, I won't be upset. And same thing with The Heat. As much as I love it, as much as I would love to see more, if they don't want to do another one, I'm fine with that because I'm happy with the movie as it was, and uh, I can't wait for that Blu-ray to come out because I'm sure it's loaded with a bunch of great features. But uh, anyway, that's my little tidbit because I can't seem to stop talking about the heat and how much I loved it. So uh, if it happens, great. If it doesn't, then that's great too. We still have the first one, so nothing has been taken away from it. All right, all right, enough movie talk. Time to look at another aspect of Hollywood in the ongoing segment. I should say returning segment since I didn't do one in the last episode. Uh, contextually, it just would have been a little bit too outside. But anyway, Only in Los Angeles. It's time for that. And here is this week's Only in Los Angeles moment. Now, I am getting really, really sick of seeing people take their dogs everywhere. It's really pissing me off because I can't go to the grocery store or to Target or Best Buy or anywhere. I can't go in any stores or any public place without 
being near someone who has their dog with them. People, I love dogs, but leave your dog at home. The dog can be home alone for two or three hours. It'll be fine. But this particular situation came about when uh, I was at the mall. There was a woman walking around with a Dalmatian on a leash, thankfully. (laughs) And I happened to be walking past her when a family with a couple small kids, which I've heard Dalmatians aren't good with kids, but hey, whatever. I I would think that would mean you're less likely to bring it out in public, especially to a place like a mall, but whatever. Anyway, this family with a bunch bunch of kids stopped and were petting the dog. Oh, your dog is beautiful and all that. What's, What's its name? And the woman said the dog's name was Sierra Rose. That's not a dog's name. That sounds like a resort or a spa. Sierra Rose is not the name for a dog. Whatever happened to Fido or Scruffy or <laughs> whatever. I mean, I know those are cheesy kind of cartoon dog names, but Sierra Rose, are you kidding me? Yes, it's a Dalmatian. Yes, they look beautiful, and they're these slim animals with lovely spots and just uh, black and white, but they still look beautiful, but... Sierra Rose, are you serious? I think only that level of pomposity can happen out here in Los Angeles. But hey, maybe you have come across dogs that have names which are not fitting of a canine. So you're welcome to share those with me. Comment on the post for this particular episode and let me know if there are some other weird dog names. But for that one, I'm going to put that one as being only in Los Angeles. Okay, finally, last segment And then I will be out of your ears for two weeks, unless you want to rerun an old episode. Hey, you can always do that. My recommendation, I would like to recommend to you the self-titled release by the Winery Dogs. There has been a little bit of heat on this band because they released a few performance videos online over the last couple of weeks. I believe they did three of them. And the band is made up of Richie Kotzen on guitar and vocals Billy Sheehan on bass and vocals, and Mike Portnoy on drums and vocals. Now, all these guys have, I believe, worked together in some capacity here or there. Richie Kotzen actually replaced Paul Gilbert after he left Mr. Big, which is the band Billy Sheehan started. And I know Billy Sheehan had played with Mike Portnoy in a Who tribute. I forgot what the name of the band was. But uh, anyway... The songs are just straight-up rock. Some people have criticized them, saying, like, oh, these songs are kind of cheesy, but these are all top-tier, world-class musicians. And the performances are great. I really like the songs. It's straight-up rock music. It really is. Guitar, bass, drums, and all three guys sing. Richie Cotson does the lead vocals, but they all do the background vocals. So, I mean, I can't pick a favorite song as of now. I've listened to the album only once through, but it's great. And it's definitely one that I'm probably going to end up leaving the CD in my car, to be honest with you, because I'm afraid of (laughs) just keeping it on my iPod and then having to deal with the compression, the compressed sound of uh, an MP3. But I really dig the album, and I suggest you go to YouTube, look up those performance clips of the three songs that they posted. And uh, apparently they're going to be touring in the fall, extensively touring. They're doing a handful of shows in the U.S. and then going overseas. But I believe in the fall they're going to be doing a full-on U.S. tour. But as I said, go to YouTube, listen to the songs. If you like straight-ahead rock music, this very well could be a band for you. All right, that does it. I'm done. That's it for episode nine of the show. (laughs) Once again, subscribe on iTunes. Give the show five stars. 
write a little review if you want and tell a friend about it by the way this show is still a a small operation but it is ever growing as is the only podcast that matters which you can also subscribe to on iTunes and leave five stars and a review for check out chrisabalo.com for all sorts of stuff you can follow the show at cape pod on twitter Email the show also at capethepodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, concerns, suggestions, let me know what you like, what you don't like. Uh, you're welcome to reply to any of the things I've said. If you have an, uh, something that might not be just only in Los Angeles, then you can, I, I would say, comment on the individual show, like this posting, if you want to counter it with another goofy dog's name or something like that. But check out all the links. Like the show on Facebook as well. And share the episodes on Facebook. I do appreciate your support and thank you very much for listening. Until next time, this is Chris Abalo and this is Only an Experiment. Mm-hmm.